guys welcome back to another episode of the ike ma show or the ike ma podcast and i have i'm rejoined again in the studio um with mr mcdojo mr mcdojo life uh, because you guys will know him very well he's uh i think you've got a big channel on youtube that you discuss virtually everything about combat sports in particular mixed martial arts and about people who are not doing the um uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu or the judo um you're not teaching it properly or in a correct manner well i mean i i really call out fakes frauds phonies con yes. men and pedophiles in the martial arts industry whether they do Whatever art they do doesn't really concern me as much as are they being honest with their students. That's really uh, the important thing to me. If they're doing karate or if they're doing taekwondo or if they're doing tai chi, whatever it is they're doing, I have no problem with the art. It's all about are they being honest with their student. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. yes th- thank you. Um, actually, you corrected me a lot because when I think about it, so that is what your content is mainly about. Um, so... What would you say about you? You kind of guess where I'm going. What would you say um, about someone who who um, is a retired fighter and is um, who bets on fights and then suddenly gets exposed? And when you watch them talk about it, probably for the first time on, on a big platform with um, a well-known uh, combat sports um, journalist such as Errol Hawani. They casually let it slip that they're best on fights, even on fights that they're involved in. <laughs> what would you say? I, I don't know, man. I think it depends on the situation. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of fighters like Floyd Mayweather, for instance, was really well known for betting on himself during fights. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with betting on yourself. Um, I think that the main problem lies in when there's something more devious or shady going on behind the scenes. Like, for instance, if a judge might have been paid off, if a referee might have been paid off, if another fighter might have been paid off, that's where the real problem lies. And the the instance, the incident I do believe that you're bringing up is probably the Jane Krause incident. Of course, yes. You know, know, I, I like James. So when it comes down to it, there's still an investigation going on. Um, I'm an investigative journalist basically by trade. So I do a lot of research into the people that I call out and I try not to make any knee jerk reactions just because it was in the ether that something might've happened. So as of right now, I'm not going to really do anything with that information until I know all of the information, which is nothing. All we know is that there was an incident involving a judge who is really shitty. (laughs) Um, That particular judge has screwed over friends of mine. Like, for instance, Angie Hill, um, you know, she was the the queen of like getting the, the wrong end of judges decisions. And the particular judge who's under investigation right now is one who has kind of screwed her over, too, in some pretty weird decisions. That particular judge sucks. Do I think that we should necessarily blame fighters or anything like that? Well, if they're involved, of course, but if they're just betting on their fighter, who gives a shit? Like, of course you want your guy to win, and you hope your guy wins. I think the real issue isn't betting on your fighters. The real issue would be, are you paying off someone? Are you bribing someone? Are you taking advantage of the system? Those are the issues. Wow. So, the judge, I think, uh, when it comes to stuff like this, my memory goes a bit foggy. His name's... I was just listening to a podcast or to some content about him today on YouTube. 
um, that, that he even stalked Aaron Hawani or something, or someone, uh, a well-known journalist within combat sports. Um, I think he is, um, he's done quite a few things, as in he's well accomplished in certain areas or so. But of course, for the judging, including I think the, um, uh, especially the fights that have just happened with Paddy Pimplis and, J- and Jared Gordon, that his, um, the same judge we're talking about, isn't it? I, I don't know anything about anything other than what's going on right now with the investigation. <laughs> That's the only thing I've heard about. So uh, if that judge has done other weird things, good to know, <laughs> but it's not information that I know about. You couldn't, what's the, the guy's name? If you say my, my help jog my memory. What what's guy? The judge, the judge in question. Oh, I don't know the judge's name. I know the fighter who is being accused of being involved in some type of an issue with that, but uh-huh. I don't know the judge's name off the top of my head. My memory has failed me. Um, it's all good, man. Everybody uh, knows when you say that judge that it's the judge is being investigated, <laughs> so it's not that big of a deal. No, you know, it's, no. It sucks because what happens is that winds up tainting the water for other people, and it's no mystery that in the history of combat sports, there are terms like taking a dive. There are mm-hmm. terms that involve bribing someone. Um, and so when it comes to this particular incident, that's nothing new to combat sports. It's just fairly new idea and concept to MMA because it's like hitting this big stage. And it seems like a lot of people thought that that wasn't something going on in MMA. It, it sucks, but it is something that goes on. And it's something that should be monitored and taken care of. I think that it's interesting the UFC made a very quick decision to say, hey, like, while this person's being investigated, they're done. But the the one thing that I found weird was they said anybody who's actually training with James Krause is not allowed to compete. And that's, I mean, I don't know. That's a little tough. Um, I can understand their standpoint because they don't, they feel like maybe there's something going on with that camp that's involving, I'm assuming bribery is what I'm assuming. Um, something shady in terms of the book um, they're they're seeing something nefarious and obviously they know more about what's going on than I do but from the outside it's just it would suck if they did that and then fighters left that camp and then it turns around to turn out that James Krause wasn't involved with something like that um, but that's just with the information that I have now um, so you know hopefully they're making the right decision you 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 say you know James, you, you met him as in, you acquainted with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could say like, a, you know, an acquaintance is a good way of putting it. You know, we've okay. chatted every once in a while and, you know, he's been somebody who has supported my page and he, you know, we were in talks of me going on his show. Um, So, and I still would be happy to go on the show. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking to people. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody screws up. And at the end of the day, they should be called and ha- called out and held accountable for what they've done. But at the end of the day, I think open dialogue is important to understand. I mean, look at the liver king thing, right? This dude was uh. a huge piece of garbage. He's making people <laughs> eat testicles and shit like a weirdo. Meanwhile, he's lying to people, telling them that his diet and all the things that he's telling people to do are legitimate when it's a complete and utter lie. Um, and then on top of that, he's lying to people saying he wasn't on steroids and he obviously was on a ridiculous amount of steroids. I could have told you that before eating a testicle. <laughs> um, but you know, when it comes to, to the liver King there, he's going on people's shows and having conversations. And I think that it's important to do that because you can hear their side and you can learn a little bit more about why they did what they did. 
Um, you can avoid pitfalls like that. You know, um, I think that that open conversation and dialogue is important. What you you have to forgive me, and please, I say that not just to you, my guests, but also to my listeners and my viewers who are following my content. Um, your name is it? Um, Gary Rob. Rob. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, t- two things I I I want to ask you taking taking away from what you just said there. On the what on the first hand to do with James Kraus, um, what you know your fighters and those who are involved in a particular um event, um, particularly the fighters who are going to be you know at doing the actual bear comp- competing. With everything that's come out now, we know that with him betting on his own fights or fights that he's involved in, people are saying there may be certain fund. What people are not just saying, but there have been you know um. It's been revealed that certain fights that he was involved in, fighters were told to take a dive to lose. Why would you, and some fighters I think they did they agree to do such, but why would you agree to do such a thing? You know, not just would it make only make you look bad, but you'd lose that lose that fight. It would look bad in your record, and to think all of the hard work you put into preparing for that particular competition, you know, it, it's just you're throwing it all away for absolutely nothing. Well. If the question is, why do fighters take dives? It's the same reason fighters fight for money. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it sounds like a silly question. I, I get that. But I mean, I think that the problem is, is that we glorify certain things that aren't that there's not much glory in. Like we want to believe in the Rockies. You know, we want to believe in the underdog. We want to believe that there are all these people out there that want to be champion for the sake of being champion for the honor, for the glory. Have you ever fought another human being in a ring while there are a lot of drunk people screaming at you? No, I, I haven't. I thought I've been. I have. <laughs> and I got to tell you, when you do it, yeah, it's cool to have your hand raised and it feels good. But you know what's yeah. even better? A whole bunch of money in your pocket. <laughs> so there are so yeah. many. There's a couple fighters out there who have talked about this openly. And I, I respect that because a lot of fighters, there are fighters out there who want to fight for the belt, who want to fight for the glory, who want to be that champion. They exist. There are also fighters out there who do it because they have no other choice or they feel they have no other choice because that's their skill set. There are also fighters out there who are only fighting for money because they treat it like a job. Because in a job, if you're not getting paid or you're not advancing and you're not getting raises and you're not being treated well, what is going to happen with you? No one cares about you when you're not fighting. I promise you this. Anyone who watches any combat sport right now there's probably five or six fighters they probably forgot even existed that they used to love because once they stopped fighting, they stopped thinking about them. They stopped caring yeah, about them. Yeah. They didn't give a damn about the fighter. They don't care about the fighter. How many people complained when Ronda Rousey went to WWE? People were up in arms, complaining, bitching, moaning. Oh, my God, what a sellout. She's no longer a fighter. What's bullshit. Do you really give a damn about Ronda Rousey? Mm, no. Of course, yeah. If you gave a damn about Ronda Rousey, you would be saying, congratulations, that is a smart move. You're going to make triple the money, if not more, going over to WWE. You're going to still be in the limelight. You're still going to be a role model to a lot of girls out there who are trying to come up and get into combat sports. You're still going to be a legend. All of those things are still true. But now you don't put run the risk of having this the same amount, I guess you could say, of brain damage as you would if you were going and you were sparring all the time yeah, yeah, and yeah. fighting people for real. Like, yeah, there are risks that comes with what she does, but at the end of the day, where are the fans when someone does something good? 
Like, why do why did why is it that they're only good when they're still fighting? And that boils down to this: fighters are going to go where the money is. Like they're going to do that. And so when you ask a fighter who's never going to make top 10 and that fighter knows that, trust me, fighters know, they know where they lie in the realm of their career. So when they know that they're not going to make top 10 anymore and they know that they're not going to make the big dollars and somebody offers them triple what they would normally get paid to take a dive, they're probably going to take a dive. It sucks, but it's true. Mm. No, yeah, I, 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 uh, I get that. I do hear exactly what you're saying, I, and I do see. Well, I can't speak for for the next person, but I do get a sense of that when you're watching the um, these the mixed martial arts news, which is heavily focused on the U.S. market for for you guys. I mean, I struggle to see anything that's happening on the U.K. scene that's actually featuring any mixed martial arts news, but I can see. I do get a sense that fighters try to capitalize on the attention of anything they do i think both inside and outside of the ring of, of the cage just make sure they that they stay relevant in people's minds well i mean i think that that's a smart thing to do there are a lot of fighters out there who don't understand the power of marketing who you are as the brand is what you've become and you are a brand stephen thompson is a brand yes. like when you think of stephen thompson you think of very specific things you think of someone who's really nice. You think of somebody who represents karate. You think of all of these things because that's branding. That's how that works. Yeah. Fighters forget that they are in themselves a brand and how they should be made, looking at things is you're going to make more money when your brand is worth more. If you're up there, even if, let's say you're fighting for a title, that doesn't mean your brand is worth a damn. It means it could. It, it could potentially be worth more, but even look at boxing. I mean, look at all the boxing heavyweight champions of all time. You know, what? what's Buster Douglas up to? You know, like no one knows. Like what? what's Mike Tyson up to? Everybody knows. Why? Because he understood branding and marketing. And even though he's not a fighter, that doesn't make him worthless. And so many fighters who go into the ring, cage, mat, whatever the case may be, when they go, they think their value is based on the numbers. They think it's the win, loss, draw columns. That's going to make them money. That's bullshit. It's a lie. It's a lie that fighters think that if I just, if I can get like 10 and 0, I'll make this much money. No, you won't. There are fighters out there. How about Jake Paul? How about the Paul brothers in general? When they first went over to boxing, they were 0 and 0. And they made more money than most, most any professional boxers at the time, period. You wouldn't say, you wouldn't say that they, because they were YouTubers and already they had built up their brand heavily, very well outside of combat because they understood marketing. They understood marketing. They marketed their names well. And so because they understood marketing, they could literally be professional plumbers right now. And they would be the richest plumbers. Why? Because they would probably figure out a way to put it on YouTube. They'd probably figure out a way to turn it into a show. They'd probably figure out a way to brand it. They'd probably figure out a way to get it on someone's podcast. They'd probably figure out a way to get really important celebrities onto their plumber show because they're not stupid. They're figuring this out as a business. This is what fighters are missing. So many people got pissed off when they those guys came over. And they were like, oh, I don't understand why people are paying them attention. They're paying okay. them attention because they're marketing well. Okay. Before I go to the <laughs> before I go to the second belt, the uh question I was gonna ask you about the um doing something wrong and being caught out in in a lie. Um the Paul brothers, Jake and, and Logan, 
I think the reason why again, you know, pe- why people so pissed off when they pissed off when it came to the combat and sporting scene, especially boxing, and even to this day, especially where Jake Paul is concerned, is well, you haven't, and I've said this to always all time before, and not coming across as hateful or hating, but you haven't really fought a proper professional boxer that is on your level in terms of uh, just shocked, just shocked. Yeah, why oh, does God. that matter? I, I have a guy uh, curious why that matters. Why does that matter? Because okay, uh, because Rob, um, I want to put you to the test. I want to know. I want to know for real whether you are the real deal. Okay, I want you to fight someone. I want to put you to the test. I want. I no, want no, no. to. So again, you said something that's really important. There, you said you want to know if they're the real deal. Yes, I do. But that's you as an audience member. No, but, but, no, but there are many people who share my opinion, even yeah, to this day. Still, as an audience member, like a fighter doesn't care about you. I'm just telling you the truth. Like pick a fighter that's your favorite fighter and let me know how many times you've hung out with them. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know them. On a, I don't know them. Exactly. Not... And they don't know you. <sighs> they only care about what every other fighter cares about. Are they going for title fights right now? No. Have they ever talked about going for title fights? No. Have they ever talked about being world champions one day? Not really. Yeah, but Jake like, Paul's... Hold on, hold on. Jake Paul, even in the presence of Eddie Hearn, has even considered considered himself as a professional boxer. Even even Eddie Hearn turned around and said, what the hell are you talking about? You're not a professional boxer. Uh, have you what done makes this someone a this? professional boxer? Excuse me. Um. Oh, God, I'll sound so silly, but you know what? I, I'm... A genuine person, I, I don't pretend. Well, you, it's really um, one thing. It's only one thing that makes you a professional in anything. What is that? You get paid. But you know, it's, it's going to be more than just about what Why? was in the bank. That's literally the definition of a professional of anything. Does it mean that you're good? No. Does it mean you're the greatest? No. How many boxers have you never even heard of that are probably 10 and 0 right now? You don't give a damn about them, but this conversation is about the people you have heard of. So how did you hear about them? You heard about them because they marketed themselves well. They got into the ring. By the way, one of them did box Floyd Mayweather, which is considered one of the greatest boxers of all time. Yeah, Logan so, Paul did. So if we're, if we're talking about people that people who fought, how many people have gone the distance with Floyd Mayweather? I know he's a deep water fighter, though, so that's most people but when it comes down to it he fought one of the greatest of all time what else does he got to do i mean i'm not saying that he's the world's greatest boxer i'm not even saying that he's a good boxer what i'm saying is that he is a professional boxer because he's getting paid to do it yeah but look at the source of opponents he's he has been going up against there are always people who are retired or washed up or they're like i I didn't say he was good i don't think that he's great I think that he's picking and choosing and cherry picking his fights for sure. But at the end of the day, what's missing is this is the problem with the industry is, again, when someone's successful, rather than looking at the success, we try to find a way to bash them. Like, I, they no. probably are assholes. They are probably the worst fucking human beings on the planet, right? But at the end of the day, why wouldn't we say, hey, these guys were able to make an ass load of money without those numbers and statistics? Why don't other fighters who are not making that kind of money learn from the way that they did that so that way all fighters can make more money? That's the problem. Somebody is successful in the industry and we go, ah, fuck that. That's not a real fighter. Why are we looking at that? Why aren't we looking at the good yeah, but, so we, other fighters but, can make but, more money? But, but, but Rob, I've even heard this come from other 
veterans in the sport of both um, mixed martial arts and um, boxing, in fact, of other fields of combat sports, they've said that when you have figures like the Paul brothers, especially Jake Paul coming into combat sports, in this case, boxing, I've heard a lot of what certain veterans in the sport have said that when you have these guys coming into sport, it feels like you're degrading what was once a respected sport. What did they degrade? Well, you know, it's a whole like, First of all, they're not going for title fights. They're not working their way up the ladder. They're doing exhibition bouts, which exhibition bouts have been going on forever. So are we going to say that Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., when they did their exhibition bout, were degrading the art? No. But then again, you're going to say, well, those people have records and they were real and they were legit and they are legit. At the end of the day, they're still just exhibition bouts. These are exhibition bouts. Yeah, but, yeah, but I, I think I, I personally believe that the reason why someone like Floyd Mayweather, despite his age, will still get a lot more respect. And the same thing goes for someone like Mike Tyson and the other veterans who are, may well be retired. Now, the reason why they would get a lot more respect than, than a pair like the, like the Paul brothers is because you may disagree with me again because you are a very smart guy and you think very deeply about these and you th think like 10 steps ahead. But the reason why someone like the veterans would get far more respect is because even if they went into a, um exhibition fight, is because they have already proven themselves. They are known quantities in this field of what they and, do. And, and the again, poor brothers are not. Proven themselves to who? Like that's the that's the amazing thing. If if you if you think that the ultimate goal out of what they're doing is to get respect, that's not the goal. It never has been the goal. That might be the goal of like uh not I uh, think I know uh, okay, I, with Jake Paul and you may bash me for saying this, I th I think it is respect because this guy considers himself to be a professional boxer. But even he is, someone he like... paid the box. Eddie... Ha okay, look, I'm going to go by what someone else is saying. You're going to charge me. I'm just letting you know. Uh, uh... The, if, the, if what makes you a professional is simply getting paid to do a job, he is a professional boxer. Now, what oh. you're thinking is he might not be a respected professional boxer. He might not be a great professional boxer. He might not be a professional boxer who's pursuing a title, but he is a professional. He is making money by boxing. That is what a professional is. Like how, again, how many other boxers out there who are legitimate professional boxers are we not talking about right now because we're talking about these guys instead? If we really gave a damn about the integrity of boxing, we would try to lift up the guys no one's heard of, but we don't. <laughs> well, Also, side note, while we're talking about it, whenever they do put on their shows, right, which I'm not a big fan of their shows either, <laughs> um, And but when it comes down to it, how many other professional boxers were able to get in the limelight because they were on a main stage on their cards? Well, you know, like I said before, before they came to the sport, they really build up their brands. You know, they are, they're not nobodies. There's somebody's because of, well, because of the YouTube and the acting thing from Disney and all that. They they built up their brands and name value already before they before they burst into the combat sporting scene. That that I accept. But the question is that this this question is still up for debate around the world, as maybe especially in the United States, your neck of the woods. Are they professional boxers? And I personally hear 
And I've heard you repeated your, your opinions uh, more than a handful of times. And now you're laughing at me. Well, I, no, I'm just <laughs> laughing because the, the, the question in itself has never been the question. The question, like, are they professional boxers, is a silly question. Are they respected boxers? The answer is no. Are they serious, pro-level boxers? The answer is no. Okay. Are they boxers that other people can learn from so that way they themselves aren't broke and become janitors after their fighting careers are over? The answer is yes. So, like, again, we can focus on the fact that, okay, well, they might not make the audience happy because they haven't gone through the ropes. But what about fighters? What about one of them, by the way, trying to talk about creating some type of a fighter's union to be able to help other fighters make money? Like, so that way they have longevity in their careers after that. What about the fact that they were able to get professional boxers on their cards to be in the limelight so that way they can get record numbers of views for themselves and their own brands so that way they themselves can be more successful at the end of the day? We might not like them. We might think they're pieces of garbage. To me, they sound like assholes. That's just my opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not professionals because they themselves are making money and a career and helping lift others beside them. They're helping other people, too. If they weren't doing that, that'd be different. If it was just them and one other person on a card and that's it, they're just their fight, that would be different. But they are lifting up other people's careers in the way. And I mean, uh, what I'm even more baffled about by this entire thing is everybody who keeps talking shit about them, for some reason, wants to try to find a way to fight them. Do you think they're wanting to fight them because they're wanting to fight them because they're going to prove them wrong? Fuck no. They're wanting to fight them for the same reason anybody ever wants to fight somebody who's at that position. They want money. money. Yes, <laughs> like, money. So you can people can hide behind that bullshit of like, oh, they're not real. Like a real boxer would rip their head off. Okay, well, where's the real boxer to step in and take care of that issue? Oh, well, they cherry pick their fights. Okay, well, at the end of the day, maybe there's something you can learn from what they're doing. Like you can learn from almost anybody, man. What even if it's what not to do. So what not to do, maybe not be an asshole and kind of be so condescending to other people in the sports industry, and maybe they'll have more respect for you. Maybe go up through the ranks the hard way, like most other people prefer, where you actually go and you do the golden gloves, and then you work your way up, and then you're like 30 and 0 or 30 and 2, and you finally get your way to maybe get a professional title like 15 years later, and then you still make maybe even less than a quarter of what they made on one fight. Or you can learn how to make more money by marketing yourself better. I mean, that's just my opinion. No, I uh, I agree with you. I agree with everything you said. I think, yes, um, I think where my questioning probably was amiss was perhaps when I said, are they professional boxers? And I probably I should have rephrased, rephrased the question a little bit better, a little bit more specific and said, are they boxers that should be taken seriously? And I think, yeah, I agree with you. The answer is not many people would also um agree with me that no, they're not boxers that should be taken seriously. Uh, I mean, again, like, I think that there's ups and downs. Do I think that they should be considered boxers as professional athletes like that is their career no it's not their career clearly their career is entertainers boxing is a yes. form of entertainment we watch it because we're entertained by it yeah. if we weren't we wouldn't watch it um people are probably paying attention to their fights because they're hoping that they get knocked out which is an old school trick called being a heel there's plenty of people who've been doing it conor mcgregor became one of the richest athletes in the world at one time because he played the heel right maybe he's still just an asshole like that Maybe, right? But seems like maybe it's an act. Who knows? But when well, it comes down to it, 
should we treat them seriously as like they're going to go eventually fight for the title now like it's ridiculous and like maybe one day we'll both eat crow maybe one day they'll actually find a way to figure out how to work their way up the ranks and fight for a title um but i doubt it because it doesn't seem like that's what they want to do it seems like they're they're wanting to do a little bit more like skip the line by doing more like a golden boy productions where they're going you know what why do we have to like go on other people's platforms we can make our own platform make our own money and be successful now back in the day like i'll take rap for example what happened in the music industry everybody was working for music labels well what eventually happened was they started making enough money to realize wait a minute i don't need you all that equipment that you're renting me i can buy and then i can make my own label and have my own people and now that's an industry standard Almost every successful musician winds up doing their own thing to make more money. It's just a better way of doing it, right? But now fighters are starting to go, you know what? Maybe that's not a bad idea. Khabib, he all of a sudden starts his own promotion. Yeah. Oh, well, who else did that? I mean, um, Golden Boy Productions was started by, um, help me out here, famous boxer, wore a dress one time, really weird. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, Oscar um, De La Hoya. Yeah, thank you, De La Hoya. Um, <laughs> God, I should have yeah, uh, Hey, it happened. I'm sorry he's weird. Where's oh, no, yeah. yeah, that's, that's on him, oh, brother. No. Hey, you do your thing. I'm not going to, you know. I did it for all to see. He did it for all to see. I think is it back in 2020. He turned up drunk <laughs> at our boxing match. God, it wasn't. You, know, you want to wear fishnets, brother? To fishnet it up. He could probably still beat my ass. I don't know. I just think that shit's weird. But, you know, when it comes down to it, like fighters are starting to understand that they don't necessarily have to have these big promotions in order to be successful financially. And now you're starting to see a change of the guard. You know, back in the day, it was like pride. Then it was like, oh my God, like pride, UFC. These are the things people are watching. And now like there are all kinds of promotions popping up. And when that comes, that means more. there's more opportunity for fighters to get better pay. That's more opportunities for fighters to make their own promotions as well because they can see that there are blueprints on how to do it. There's a lot of opportunity out there. And now fighters don't especially mma fighters for instance they don't necessarily have to be poor their entire life is all i'm saying there are blueprints that are being shown to them and if they're not paying attention to those blueprints they're really just missing an opportunity and then eventually all these fighters that we so-called respect are you're not going to give a shit about them when they don't fight anymore we're not going to care about when they have traumatic brain injury we're not going to care about their cte we're not going to care when they need us but when they're entertaining us, we're so happy. Oh, thanks for entertaining me. You're one of the best. Until when? They're not. Mm. Like, people forget Muhammad Ali lost at the end of his career. Yeah, people yeah. forgot that Muhammad Ali had a long period of time where nobody really talked about him. He wasn't in the news because people didn't give a shit about him anymore. He was no longer valuable to their entertainment. So they brushed him off to the side. That's a shame. Fighters shouldn't have to go through that. And they don't have to. All I'm saying is I don't think that the Paul brothers in themselves are like going to be the biggest thing in boxing. But what I do think is they're showing other fighters that there's a blueprint on how to be financially successful. And the more fighters push them off to the side and ignore the good that they're bringing, the more likely they are ignoring the advice that they could be taking in order to be more financially successful. So when they can no longer fight, at least they can pay their bills. Um, and I think that it's sad how many fighters can't pay their bills after they're done fighting because they just can't. It doesn't have to be yeah. that way. But then again, the uh, the industry of combat sports is really petty anyway. So you're saying about the um, the poor brothers um, uh, love them or hate them, they are bring bringing some 
benefit to the sport for at least for some fighters, for some athletes where boxing is concerned. But, you know, some some have said that maybe, you know, I'm kind of like repeating what you said at the beginning of the of our conversation, that, um, well, some fighters, they don't care if how badly they've been made to look if they've lost a competition, but more concerned about how much cash they're going home with in their pocket that night. Yeah, they're definitely, I mean, people can say they fight for the love of the sport, right? Yes. Then fight for free. How many fighters ever in the history of boxing have you ever heard go, you know what, I'm just going to do this for free? Or even better, how about a fighter takes all that money and literally donates it to charity? Donate it to the charity of your choice, 100% of the purse, right? But you're not going to do that because life doesn't work that way. No, You need to no. be able to take care of your bills. You need to be able to take care of your lights. You need to be able to take care of insurance, your coaches. It's expensive. You know, you're, if you're at that level, you probably have a team of people helping you out in one way or another. Maybe it's a dietitian. Maybe you have a strength and conditioning coach. Maybe you have a striking coach in MMA anyway. Um, you know, MMA is a little different because you usually have like a team for sure in your camp. But, you know, it gets expensive. So it doesn't really work that way. Yes, you might fight for the love of the game and you might do that. And that might be 100 percent true. But you also fight for money <laughs> because without it, guess what? You're probably not going to be able to continue to fight. You know, there, there are very famous stories of, you know, Cinderella Man, for instance, is a really famous story for anybody who might not necessarily be a boxing fan, but a movie fan. That's based on a true story of a boxer who literally had to to break his personal code of ethics by going down and getting unemployment. And then after he won a fight, went back and is one of the only people in history to ever pay back unemployment. <laughs> you know, like why? That was because that person had that level of ethics to do so. The reason that story is so famous is because almost no one does that, <laughs> right? No yeah. one else does that. So it becomes, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So, but you know, what's really common is a lot of fighters who don't make it, get injured early in their career, have no business sense, get CTE, get a traumatic brain injury, don't have a job after fighting, don't have a career after fighting and become homeless. That's pretty famous. That happens all the time. And the problem is, is because people don't understand how to market themselves. And so if you don't do that, you're going to put yourself in a detrimental position later on down the road. You might not have anything to fall back on after your boxing career. Um, and so, yeah, like while you're in it, while you have that 10, 15 minutes of fame, if you get that, then you should collect and save and market and brand. Go find another way, another career. Go figure out what you're going to do after this is over, because any fighter out there should know eventually one way or another it will end and chances are good. It's going to end probably if you're lucky in your thirties, if you make it that far. And that's if you're top 10, yes, like what if yeah. you're not, you know, what if you're one of those dudes who's fighting for like 2000 on an undercard and you can't seem to make it past that, you know, like what do you do then? Uh, I hear every, everything you just said there about the marketing thing, but, um, you know, there are a few exceptions of certain fighters. Okay, the one that stands out of my mind, um, you know, GSP. I mean, he's talking about marketing. He didn't do too much of the trash talking in the press conferences, whether it's post-fight or pre-fight. And he, even to this day, 
people to respect him. I mean, if he is going to be holding a seminar, for example, you're going to mm-hmm. find a lot of people, people who aren't even combat sports fans, they still want to go and see and hear what he has to say. But I think yeah, but just... you don't have to be a heel to market yourself. Like we talked about, um, there's a plenty of people like that. Leota Machida, for instance, or, you know, you mentioned GSP or Stephen Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be a bad person to market yourself. Yeah. Like, you can market yourself as a good person. <laughs> like, you can be that thing. You know, Sage Northcutt is probably one of the m- more prime examples of somebody whose career ended fairly shorter than, you know, people expected. He was extremely marketable. When he came out the gate, he's all ripped. He looks like a Ken doll. He winds up getting out there. And he was kind of along that that timeline of when Paige Van Zant was being pushed through the UFC as well. Uh, it was Sage Northcutt, Paige Van Zant, And they were marketing attractive people. That's all there was to yeah, it. They were saying, yeah. you know what? You're attractive. You can put asses in seats. Let's push you a little too soon, a little bit too far, a little bit too fast. And not having people in your corner to say, hey, you're not ready. Let's let's not take that fight yet. Let's let's get work our way to that fight, right? That's what a smart fighter does. A smart management team does is they they let you know when to say no. Um, but then there are people out there who are like, you know, what? we're going to push you a little quicker, a little faster because we think that you're marketable and you're going to make a lot of money. And maybe that is true, but it's not a good investment in the long term. But Sage Northcutt was able to look, take his physique, take his looks, take his personality, take his likability. And now he's still making plenty of money. Like Paige Van Zandt does the same thing. She was able to take her looks, take her personality, take her likability, and still continue to make money. Stephen Thompson's still fighting in the UFC, but he's still doing really well on YouTube. He's doing well in terms of marketing and putting himself in a position that when the fighting is over, he's, he's commentating on karate combat. He's doing well in other aspects of his life other than just fighting. And that's a smart thing to kind of pay attention to. All the Paul brothers did was just did it backwards. They did all the marketing and all that <laughs> stuff first, and then they decided to fight people. That's okay. It. Okay. This is <laughs> I had a whole list of questions to ask you, Rob, but just by talking with you, I'm like I'm kind of like trying to find like a put that piece of paper, put it in the bin and I've got other questions to ask you now. Oh well ask away, man. I'm happy um, to, I'm happy to answer. You see, with the Paul brothers. I do get the underlying feeling that maybe it's because what they were doing, excuse me, what they were doing before uh, they hit the combat sports scene, boxing, before they came over to to the boxing scene, maybe they were getting fed up with, of all the YouTubing they were doing, that they thought that maybe, because when I think, when I, just for anything that stands out in my mind is that Jake Paul was just known for doing all these silly pranks, annoying people this and here, and there was just that getting lots of hits and attention on YouTube, and therefore brands were capitalizing off the back of that and making money. And then, and you know, otherwise there was a Disney thing that they started out doing first when they went over to YouTube, and they also were successful mm-hmm. there. But I think it was just many prank videos, if I'm not mistaken. And perhaps maybe they want to be taken more seriously. <laughs> okay, yes, with the boxing. And that's the reason why they've entered into that um, particular field. I mean, maybe. I don't know their reasoning. I would assume their reasoning is money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's that's all I'm gathering from it. You know, they were like, hey, there's an opportunity over here to probably make hand over fist money. And I'm pretty sure that they've they've done so. Um, I, th- I, I think that eventually what that turned into is 
trying to help the community probably despite the community uh, if that makes any sense so no, it's no, like no. okay well you don't think that we're helping this community so fuck you we're going to go above and beyond and we're going to help the community even more than anyone else probably ever could i mean the anderson silva thing kind of talked about that and they talked about it in the press conference so far he's followed through with the things that he has said he will do um but when he started talking about a fighters union like let's say hypothetically right like let's say he follows through with that he yeah. creates a fighters union and he winds up getting all of these fighters who were talking so much shit about him 401ks health insurance better pay better endorsement deals and he's able to do that by being the guy that everybody hated if he does that at the end of the day do we still continue to hate the man I mean, that's the thought. It's like, I, I, we shit I, on the dude because he's not a boxer. Like, I, I, I hear that, shit? Rob, I, I hear that, but still, we're all human beings. The fighters are human beings. You're a human being. Um, Still, it's going to, someone who I don't like, who is giving me a help and helping hand uh, for some, for a particular sport that I love, do, something I love doing so much. Still, people have that kind of like, just because it's this person, understandably, Excuse me. They just can't bring themselves to accept it. That yes, I'm I'm getting what I want, but it was by this person who I just can't stand. You know. Yeah, we don't like everybody. Not everybody on the UFC roster likes Dana White. There's plenty of people openly on the roster who say they can't stand Dana White, but they still work for him. Like you know, like there's there's plenty of people we aren't going to like, and there's plenty of people that. I, I think that the more important thing is maybe the duality of people. There is a good to people and there's a bad to people. There are certain things about even people that are probably close friends of yours. You're like, that's irritating as shit. I can't stand when you best friend Steve of 25 years does this one thing. Right. But I forgive you because you did all these other things. We pick and choose who we like and who we don't like for our own particular reasons. since There's nothing wrong with that. But if we're going to talk about actual impact, they're making an impact. And if they weren't, we literally would not be having this conversation. Um, I think that it just all boils down to what will they do with this attention? What will they do for the sport? What will they do for other people? I mean, because at the end of the day, when you die, you're kind of only left with legacy anyway. You're only left with the things that you did during your life. So there's an opportunity here for them to do something great. Will they do that? I think most people think not. But it seems like, from what I'm paying attention to, at least from the, the airwaves, is every fight they've taken, there's a little bit more respect. It's not much. It's not much more respect. It's a little bit more. It's just a little bit. It's carving out a little chunk. Because how many fights would it take? Let's say, hypothetically, they took 30, 40 fights and they still went undefeated. Oh, they're not real boxers. Well, people who, at that point, who hate them would just hate them anyway. They wouldn't give a shit who they fought. You know, well, it doesn't matter. People would would look at look at them, and they'll also look at the stats and the record of the boxer who they were boxing in that particular competition, in that particular fight. I mean, Floyd Mayweather kind of said what many people were thinking. I think he was sitting next to Tommy Fury at a particular press conference earlier this year, and the interviewer said <clears throat> to him, uh, "Jake Paul's making along the lines." He said. Jake Paul's making some noise about fighting and Floyd Mayweather. Well, yeah, of course he wants to fight me. I mean, I'm nearly 50 now, so <laughs> of course he wants to fight me. He's not going to fight anyone. But you see what I mean. You see what's, what he's saying there between the lines. He, even he himself, thought, I think that was the first time that a well-known veteran boxer like himself had openly said in public, 
that I can I understand what they're doing. They're going for the fight, so they know they're going to win. And so it makes them look good, even though it's against someone who's no longer their equal in terms of age. Um, They may have the record, but in terms of health, they're not really their equal anymore because um, Floyd Mayweather... So you, you see what you see what I'm saying. I already I like it, we already discussed this, but I already know they're cherry picking fights. They're picking and choosing who they want to fight, right? Like, of course, they're fighting and basically exhibition bouts. Like when they're taking these particular fights, they're cherry picking who they want to fight, and they're doing it specifically for the income, right? I get that. I do not. Again, I do not think. I think the the only part where the wires are crossed here is I I think that in some way, shape, or form, you think that I'm respecting them as boxers. Like, no, <laughs> I don't respect them as boxers because they technically aren't really haven't really even fought many boxers. Like, I mean, when it comes down to it, um, uh, was it Jake Paul? Which one's the older one? Logan Paul's the older Logan one. Logan Paul. So Logan Paul's probably a little bit more, I guess you could say, a legitimate boxer boxer because he at least fought a boxer. But even then he fought a boxer that he outweighed by a shit ton. And he's obviously way younger. He's obviously way bigger. There's there's a lot of factors in there. And he still almost got rocked, like almost got dropped by Mayweather, who's not somebody who typically knocks people out. He's typically a deep water fighter. He's a point guy. He usually picks and shoot. He usually picks people apart over a long period of time. But when you're looking at that, man, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have to necessarily respect somebody for everything they do. You can respect mm -hmm. them for certain things that they do. That's the point. The point is, is that the more people ignore the good shit, all they're doing is making it detrimental to themselves. Like, yeah. for instance, how many fighters out there right now are struggling to pay their rent? You understand YouTube is free, right? Yeah, yeah. It's free. Anyone can set it up. Yes. Yeah, they did that. They became famous through that. That opportunity was there when they were children. They were kids. So people are pissed off that people who were able to be successful on a free application online, who were able to do it successfully as children, were able to build an empire with that success that they themselves have actually been able to do, are going to just ignore the fact that there's a blueprint that's been laid out in front of them to also be financially successful. Because at the end of the day, how like let's say one of the fighters is the, your favorite fighter, right? He winds up going into the ring and he winds up being a legend. But now he can't remember his own name. What good does that do the fighter? It does nothing to the fighter. The fight, oh, you were such a legend back in the day. He can't even eat. Yeah. He can't remember his kids' names. But you're entertained. You respect him. Well, good yeah. for you. But do, does he remember all the things that he did because of all the sacrifice he did simply for the sake of other people's entertainment and yeah. pride? Like, that's the missing part. Like, how many spiders do we respect who completely destroyed their lives for our entertainment oh, no. and got nothing for it, not a dime? But we respect them. Yeah. yeah, you can't pay your bills. You can't remember your kid's name, but thank you for the respect. Like, that's the point I'm trying to make. No, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, many people, um, many casuals who um uh, don't follow the sport so closely, they are completely understand they will agree with what you just said um when it goes back to the poor brothers they built did such and such on youtube and were very successful at it but we look at the content the materials like what were they doing is it just fooling around and being pranksters that that's what they were doing they could have what about the guys from jackass <laughs> what, what are they oh, doing yeah, yeah you know like but we sit there and we pay for that movie don't we 
<laughs> like, yeah. like the only reason that any of these people exist and are successful is because we, as the audience, make them successful. Yeah, like it, it just is a little dumbfounding to me that we only care about them when they do something for us, when they're doing it for us, when they're when they're making us happy with how we feel. We don't give a damn about them. Like, and it's a, it's a funny thing because people like to pretend that they do, but they don't yeah. like there, there's so many fair weather friends in combat sports or just anything in general. Like, do you follow the guy who was number one in NASCAR 50 years ago? Like, do you follow his family? Do you make sure that they're okay? Making sure that everything's good with them? Like, no. Do you follow like, how about Muhammad Ali's kids, man? Can you name them? I, I know he. Like I can't remember. I mean, I, I know the door, so I know her by face, but I wouldn't. I can't remember her name. <laughs> I wonder why we can't do that. It's because we don't give a shit. Mm. Like we just don't care. We like to pretend we do, but we don't. That's such an important legacy in boxing. How about Willie Pep? You're asking me if I know who that is. So yes. No, I like one of the most important about. figures in boxing, and yet many people don't even know his damn name, right? Like that's that's what I'm the point I'm trying to get at. Now imagine if somebody like Willie Pep had somebody who was able to market him well and actually push his name a little farther for not just people who are hardcore boxing fans, but the world to say, yo, this guy's got something special. Like there's something here that you should be paying attention to. This guy's got more than just boxing. Or even if he does only have boxing, he's inspiring people through his talent and through his skill. And everybody should be able to learn about that, right? Because, I mean, even Muhammad Ali transcended boxing. He wasn't just a boxer. He was somebody who people quote now because things that he said were impactful to them. You know, he's one of those people that during his time, people hated him. Like Muhammad Ali back in his time was a hated man. Like for a lot of different reasons, we're talking about you know, a lot of different factors that are involved in that, but he was yeah. not popular. He didn't get popular until later on down the road. And the only reason he was able to have that opportunity is he understood the value of marketing. He understood that there's more than just hitting people here. There's more than just us getting in the ring. There's more than just having a fan going, Muhammad, I love you, man. Like there's more than that. Mm-hmm. He understood the value of it. Sometimes it's okay to have a whole bunch of people hate you because later on down the road, you're going to show them how great you are. Yeah, they might yeah, not believe yeah. you at first, but you damn sure have enough time and plenty of opportunity to show them. You can prove it to them through that hatred. So, yeah, I don't necessarily jump on that bandwagon of just hating some people because everybody else hate them. God. You now change. Oh, God, you just done some really crazy stuff in my head. So, <laughs> I was kind of like um, this Jake Paul and Logan Paul thing. People have said that... Um, Every time I mention them on, on my on my YouTube channel or my Instagram, that it does get quite, quite annoying. That the hating of them really should stop. That's uh, even though I like them, especially just don't talk about them because people just get fed up with hearing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> um, it's tricky. I get it, man. Like it's yeah. almost like uh, Eminem talks it a lot about in his raps. He's like, if I uh, if you mention me, like uh, one of his raps, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. He, he talks about like if well if you talk shit about me you get millions of views and if i talk shit about you it makes me look bad so it's a lose-lose situation so sometimes it is best to just like let things fall by yeah, the wayside i, I guess yeah. right 
Now, you brought up the uh, Liver King um, issue, which uh, in my mind, but it's something that I've seen, you know, in fitness, which is where he's someone like that is involved in um, more closely tied to the fitness industry, bodybuilding. But I mean, a lot of these guys, they are taking um, gear to look the way they do. I think one guy, uh, was it Mr. Um, O'Hearn? No, no. Uh, not, I'm not getting the name correctly. He's in his fifties now. I think he's well known because at some a few years ago, not too long ago, he fell off a stage somewhere, and I think that's the reason why many people remember who he is. Okay, uh, Mike O'Hearn or so. Is it, do you know who that is? Not off the top of my head. No, um, I, a fighter. No, no, he's a bodybuilder. Oh, okay, um, I got you. Yeah, I, I, think, don't, I don't know anything about bodybuilding. But I think, like, unlike the Liver King, he even till this day. Um, even more plates, um, more dates made a video about this that he's still denying and denying and denying that he ever took any steroids. I mean, he's been confronted in the gym and he still denied any knowledge or any or taking any steroids. But you have someone like the Liver King who has now been exposed. But I mean, you must know that if you've been if you started with that lie, you know that at some point in the future it catches up with, with you. And well, <laughs> if anything, you only look bad, you, you look look 10 times worse. It's, it's tricky, man. Like when you start off with a lie, it has to lead to another lie. That's how lies get perpetuated, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, you're so deep into the lie that it's too late. Getting out means that you ruin your own career. Yeah. Um, and it's it's tough to get out of lies like that, man. It's it's almost sad in a little bit of a way. You know, I watched this documentary. It's funny that you mentioned that because I watched this documentary last night about Miss Cleo. Have you seen this? No, I've not seen or heard. Who Miss Cleo is that? Uh, Miss Cleo was a really famous psychic here in the United States back in the day. She used to work for something called the Psychic Hotline, and so she was the spokesperson. And she was she pretty much was just a massive fraud. the The way that the documentary tried to spin it was very interesting. But at the end of the day, People who knew her before she became Miss Cleo, she had never spoken with a J Jamaican accent before. She didn't go by the name Miss Cleo. She went by a completely different name. She wind up going to some type of a uh, a community theater, and she got hired on to put on some type of a play. Now, this is all before she becomes famous, and she gets hired to put on some kind of a play. Well, she got given X amount of dollars, but she was supposed to pay all of the actors and the crew. Well, she never did. She stiffed all of them for a lot of money and then left town and then reinvented herself down the road. So then eventually she becomes a psychic um, for the psychic hotline. She she walks in with a fake Jamaican accent and a fake history and all that good stuff. And then she she lied to become the spokesperson. It worked. She become a very famous spokesperson. The problem was, is that the psychic network themselves were ripping people off they themselves were defrauding people um her she was just a spokesperson um but then you know that kind of boils down to legacy right we would have never known about i personally would have never known that she was a complete fraud until this documentary came out and the only reason the documentary came out was because the company itself wind up getting into hot water um and so you find out about all of her lies because people started digging into the company and then they started digging into her and finding out about her. The, the strange thing about that kind of thing was that any time 
she could have changed her mind and gone against the lie, right? But the strange thing is, is after the lawsuit, after she is no longer with the psychic network, she once again moves to a different place. I do believe she moves out of Florida. Um, and then she continues to have the fake accent. She continues to lie to people. And then she reinvents herself once again as somebody who's a activist for the LGBT community. Not necessarily the worst thing because she doesn't defraud anybody or anything after that, but she still kept the fake accent. But that goes to show you, even like that little white lie of the fake accent goes to show you how hard it is for somebody when they're given an opportunity to reinvent themselves away from the lie, even then still continue to lie. Because at that point, it's almost just a compulsion. It's like they cannot help themselves because they are so afraid of being caught in that lie that they are willing to continue to tell as many lies as possible so they can continue to live the life that they have come accustomed to. I mean, I think everybody does that in one way, shape, or form in some aspect of their life where something about them, some down, somewhere down the road, they might have reinvented. That's not necessarily a lie. Like, for instance, the liver king just fucking lied, took advantage of people. And I mean, we talked about that earlier, right? He literally told people to eat, like, testicles and stuff. Man, that's gross. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just hard to get out of a lie once you're in it especially when you get that much fame because of the lie. Thing is, Rob, I, you know, I kind of went through this, you know, I recently started a new job and, um, that, you know, um, not to go off topic topic, but I kind of went through the same thing myself being very new in the company. Um, uh, still being very new in the company. There's lots of things I'm, I'm learning. It's an industry that I, I studied in, but it's an industry that I'm still very new to, so I'm still learning a lot of the basics. And I'm supposed to be partnered up with, part, partnered up with someone else who is supposed to be a professional, but they're really, they had a drug habit, and they um they didn't make it the official. They uh, didn't really make it official, but instead of kind of telling the truth, after being absent without warning um so many times, not showing up for work for nearly a month, not doing what's supposed to do, they just thought, you know what, I'm clearly going to get found out. I should just call ties, cut all ties and just quit. And that's essentially what happened. Um, what I don't understand is that, especially with the story that you told me about this fake psychic lady over there in the US, do people not know that at some point they're going to get found out? And when they do get found out, usually it's 10 times worse. One of the consequences being is that now nobody would like to touch you no one would like to have any sort of association with you because of you know people just can't trust anything you say clearly absolutely so, yeah that's that's tough man i, I don't get people it. think ahead and think of those sort of consequences because if you, if you think if you turn the situation around if someone did the same thing to you including this lady you just mentioned wouldn't she naturally feel that way because i'm sure she has even though she's doing all the lying and frauding would she like to be lied to I doubt well, it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not justifying what they're doing. <laughs> I think what they're doing is dumb. <laughs> like, that's stupid as shit. We all make mistakes, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, like, it's, it's easy. You see, you see, that we all make mistakes. Haven't you ever made a mistake before? You see, those sorts of words. I, I am 34 years old. Um, I think I've been around for some time now. But even as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, I think I've always had enough common sense to know 
there are certain things that you just don't do if you do them be prepared for some serious consequences down the road that you just will not be able to come back from well, at all i i think that that's a, a really deep psychological question that i'm not first of all i'm not <laughs> uh, i guess you could say licensed to to give real advice about the psychology behind people who have compulsion disorders for instance like if someone has tourette's you yourself know that it's not okay to scream out and scream profanities. They themselves cannot help that. There are plenty of people on this planet who are hypochondriacs. You're not going to pretend to be sick. That's not you, right? You know that's the wrong thing to do, but other people have compulsion disorders. They cannot help that. They might need medication for that. I'm just saying that everybody's a little different. And yes, I'm showing you a, a big, broad stroke of the spectrum. Right is right, wrong is wrong kind of thing. I get that. But at the end of the day, I don't know why they do what they do. I'm not a professional psychologist to know why they do what they do. I'm just saying that people are people and people have things wrong with them and people have different backgrounds. And I'm glad that your background has allowed you to be able to act the way that you act in a professional manner and not do those wrong things. But not everybody has that same life. All right. You're saying don't judge because, um, uh, no one not two people are this exactly the same yeah i mean i guess i'm saying that i mean the other thing is is like put yourself in a position where you do fuck up like one day you will make a mistake if you have not already made one like again if i gave you a math test and let's just bring it down to a little bit more of a rudimentary question if i gave you a math test and i said it's kindergarten and i said what's one plus one and you wrote three and everyone else wrote two and everyone else pointed at you and said, ah, you idiot. Like, everybody knows it's two. How come you don't know it's two? It's common sense that it's two. Does that help you in any way, shape, or form? Does that make you better? Does that improve your mental health? Does that make you somebody who's going to maybe end up becoming bitter towards other people? Does that help you? Or maybe if somebody with some caring goes up and goes, hey, man, I understand you fucked up. Hey, I messed up on the next math problem. The answer's two. Let's work on it. Do you want to work on it together? Maybe you wind up being a better person. All I'm saying is, is that, yes, people do make mistakes. And I understand that that's cliche. But the reason I bring it up is how do we, as people who didn't make that same mistake, address those people? You know, make you feel kind of, you know, it made me feel kind of bad for even, you know, kind of uh, getting a bit incensed about <laughs> this whole frauding thing. You know you are, uh, you're right, you're right. Um, but I mean, can you compare that sort of scenario with a simple mistake? Okay, I'll say. Can <laughs> well, you compare yes. I, <laughs> so yeah. no, it's not that simple of a mistake. He took advantage of people. He screwed yeah. people over. I personally agree with you a hundred percent in the fact that that dude is not to be trusted again. Mm -hmm. Because you know, like, but at the end of the day, it's not about him. Like, this is about us. He's not in this room having this conversation with us. Yes. So, you know, how do we handle that particular situation? How do we handle talking about people's mistakes? That is up to us. So that dude's going to have to pay the piper. He's going to have to deal with his consequences. But I don't necessarily have to change my values about how I feel about people making mistakes just because this dude's a big piece of shit. You know, like that's just all there is to it. I can walk up to this dude and say, hey, man, you fucked up. That was really dumb. Do you want to continue to do that for the rest of your life? 
here may be a better way. And if he doesn't want to take the advice, that's okay. But if all we do is hammer away at a problem and we never offer some type of a solution, how are we better? Like, we're just being judgmental at that point. We're saying, you suck. Well, like, do you have a better solution? Yeah, don't fucking lie. Well, it's too late now, isn't it? So how do we move forward? How do we make how do we make society as a whole a little better through one conversation at a time? And it probably isn't by just doing what everybody else does and shitting on the guy. We are he already is gonna have to deal with his consequences. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's yeah, gonna have to deal with his shit. Like, and I think he's a piece of garbage for what he did, but I don't necessarily think that us just sitting here bashing the man over and over and over again, beating a dead horse is gonna solve anything. No, of course. I mean, I think in the fitness industry, that's kind of that kind of thing about people claiming to be natural, they look phenomenally ripped and phenomenally in shape. I think by now many people will be used to the um, issue that this person is claimed to be Nazi, they look tremendously good in shape and all, and then later on it turns out that actually they've been exposed to be a fake, that they were definitely taking something. Um, but no, um, where, where he's concerned, yeah, I, I've seen new videos on YouTube keep coming out about Liver King being, you know, he's finished, he's done, um, this and that. <laughs> I hope, because... Uh. You know, the, what he did was, you know, it was wrong, man. It really was wrong. There were a lot of people who lost a lot of money to that guy. There were a lot of, and the, there there was an argument out there that, you know, no one lost anything to him. No one believed, like there are people who get taken advantage of by people who were not even close to as good of a con artist as he is. So, you know, like I, I there are victims of this. And, you know, I think that the conversation that keeps getting passed over whenever people talk about him or any fraud, because that's what I deal with mostly, is what are people doing about the the victims of somebody like this? You know, like, it's probably shattering to a lot of people out there who, like, really looked up to this guy, and then to find out your hero was a complete, utter fraud, that's a hard pill to swallow, man. Um, Me, personally, I looked at that dude, and I'm like, he's on the juice, and then I just never listened to him again, but not everybody's the same. You know, some people were looking up this dude and hoping that, man, like, he can do it, maybe I can do it, too steroid use is really funny to me in general though because it's acceptable sometimes but it's not acceptable others like and for his particular job it's what blows my mind for like his lie because technically he could have still been on steroids and told people he was on steroids and it really probably wouldn't have affected him that much like uh, like, for instance, like, look at The Rock. Like, I like The Rock, right? I think The Rock is awesome. Seems like a great dude. Seems like he does a lot. But, like, I'm pretty sure that guy's on steroids. If I found out that he was on steroids, it would not surprise me. But then again, it wouldn't also matter at all because he's not a professional athlete in which that is going to affect other people. He's just making his own decisions with his own body. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think that the moment that it's going to affect other people that's when there's something wrong with it. Like if you're a fighter, obviously you don't want to be on steroids. If you're a professional sports star athlete, you probably shouldn't be on steroids because it's usually illegal in almost every sport. Um, But if you're just like doing it for yourself, who gives a shit? Like people were trying to get at Sylvester Stallone. They were mad at him, Stallone, when they found out he was doing steroids. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, also, why do I care? He's an actor. Like, and he can juice himself <laughs> right in the eyeball for all I care. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lift the weights, brother. Do your thing. It doesn't matter, you know? I think people, they get, what's the phrase? I, I, uh, they let their hearts through their head when there's, they've got this, uh, this particular public figure 
or high profile person who they respect so well, so much, but you don't know that person. You don't know anything about their personal life, what they're doing at home, behind the camera. You're not even acquainted with them. So, you know, why would you love or even defend them in a, if they're involved in any particular controversy? You don't, you've never met them before. But I think it's one of those never meet your hero moments sort of thing. Because when you meet this person you respect so much, you'll be so disappointed. Eventually, you do meet them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's wild how that works, man. And, you know, it's even weirder that old Batman phrase of, you know, you can either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know, like, you know, think about Bruce Lee, you know, like think about all the things that come out about Bruce Lee. Now they were like, Oh, Bruce Lee was on drugs. It's like, again, no shit. Bruce Lee was on drugs. It was the seventies. He was an actor in the seventies in Hollywood. Like, yeah, I'd be on all the drugs. Like yeah, who, yeah. again, who cares? We want people to be these like, holier than thou entities that can do no wrong when i think what's happening now because of the invention of the internet is that people are starting to realize that everyone is just a person and is flawed and when we find out people's flaws we want to wreck them over the internet because it makes us feel good like we're better than them no we're not we're not better than them we just we don't we're not on on camera all the goddamn time and when we make a mistake it's not blasted all over the news and when we make a mistake, it's not blasted on YouTube for 50,000 people like myself who blast people online. You know, it's like <laughs> we're just people. So, like, we feel almost like we we have a holier than thou to them now. Like, oh, I would never do that. Meanwhile, the dude's doing all the cocaine off of every male prostitute he could possibly find. Like, you know, like, oh, well, you're not on TV, so you can do it, right? Like, get out of here. Like, everybody has flaws and everybody makes mistakes, which is why I brought it up before. Is because we want to like demonize all these people for the bad shit that they do. And some of that shit should be called out. But at the end of the day, you should do it and move on with life. Hey, you suck. That was a bad thing to do. This is what you should do to move forward. We all move forward with life. But hey, man, I, I don't know. I just make videos on YouTube, dude. So I'm just guessing. I wanted to ask in your opinion about the Paddy Pimlet versus Gerald Gordon situation. Um when I watched that fight myself, I thought it was, I did think it was close, but I can see how everybody, and including Jared Gordon himself, how they all feel that um, he should have taken home the win that night. Man, um, I actually didn't watch the fight. So this might be a short one, <laughs> this particular question. Right. I really have nothing to add to it because I didn't see it. So I did hear there was a bit of a controversy and I heard that, you know, you were talking about the James Krause thing, James Krause thing earlier about the uh, the the betting issue about what was going yes. on. Um, I I don't even was that was that judge a part of that? Um, I may be wrong because I haven't actually checked if it's the same judge that's tied to the Paddy Pimblet situation. To that's also tied to the um to the James Krause situation. That's also tied to the past. UFC event that we had this past um weekend um I, I have to check if it's the same guy, but um in in answer to what you what you just asked me um I I believe it probably is but again um after I made this recording if I'm incorrect please forgive me I'll have to check yeah, that information. It, hey, it's all good, man. Um, I just yeah. don't know enough about it to really even have a a full conversation about it because I just I didn't watch the fight. I uh, don't really know much about it, so I, I, I wish I had more to add, but I, it's just not something I know about. All right. 
well, this James Cross situation isn't really going to go away at all. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I've seen lots of documentaries online on YouTube. Many people believe that this is just the start of the just the beginning of something huge. That's going to be like a domino effect. That like James Cross is the first one. Other figures are also are yet to be exposed, and eventually this will lead will go all the way up the food chain right up the date to Dana White's door. There's a lot of, because the UFC, their new tourists are doing lots of shady things and just capitalizing the fact that they've got that monopoly in the market when it comes to combat sports, MMA in particular, of course. I mean, I don't think they necessarily have the monopoly. I mean, one FC is much bigger than them. Um, UFC might have a, a monopoly on the American market, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily have the market, they have it cornered for the global market. Well, um, yeah, I, I see what you mean, especially, okay, in the West. That it's okay. the UFC um, in the Far East, it's one FC, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at our, you know, this part of the continent or this part of the world, um, you know, you have UFC and you have Bellator, and those are like the the two. Um, but you know, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen with it. Do I think it's going to go all the way up to Dana's door? No, I don't really think that. I think that. When you're dealing with this kind of stuff, I think it will expose a lot of people. I think it will also expose some entity involved in this that no one has paid attention to yet that we don't know about. Um, And it could be anything. I mean, it could be it could be something that is gang related. I know that seems far fetched to a lot of people, but you have to remember that when you're dealing with illegal gambling, Yes. Typically, when you're dealing with illegal gambling, you typically also start dealing with people who are very shady and doing illegal things, such as crime organizations. So it is a possibility that someone got to that judge um, and was able to threaten that judge to make decisions that they might not necessarily have wanted to make. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. Um, I'm not saying that that is the case, but I'm saying that there's so many things that could have gone on that until there's a full investigation, there's really no way of knowing. Um, Another possibility is, is that somebody within the UFC was paying that judge a a substantial amount of money to make those decisions, even though, like we talked about earlier, it could completely ruin their life. Um, But again, people do weird things for money, man. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I think the, the big thing is, is like, it's sad, you know, it's sad. Those numbers on those pieces of paper. For those rounds, whether it be five numbers or whether it be three, depending on the number of rounds, completely dictate and control someone's ability to continue to be in the sport. Yes. It yes. doesn't necessarily completely control their ability to make money. As we talked about before, there's other ways to market yourself. But to be able to continue to do something that you absolutely love to do, it's kind of messed up on such a, a egregious level. That it, it's it's it, nobody can go back and remember, like to rephrase it, whenever something like this happens and the state athletic commission does find out about it, they actually host like meetings and stuff like that with state athletic commissions about overturning decisions and stuff like that. Those just those meetings happen all the time. Like uh, one of the more famous meetings that people might remember from a state athletic commission was when Anderson Silva fought, was it Nick or Nate Diaz? I think it was Nick Diaz. But anyway, one of the Diaz brothers wound up getting a five-year suspension for marijuana in his system. That was Meanwhile, Nick. Anderson Silva, 
I think Anderson Silva got maybe a year, if I remember correct. Okay. And he was the most dangerous man on the planet. And he was doing steroids, you know? So like, I think that that's pretty ridiculous, but it goes to show you that the state athletic commissions do more than I think people really think about in their day to day. So the issue will be is like all those fighters records who weren't those records. Will those records be changed for the fighters who got screwed over by that judge? That's like a very important question. No matter what happens with the whole thing, right? If they find out that this particular judge, which it seems like they have evidence that he is corrupt, what about all those fighters who were affected? And how will they ever know who that judge screwed over or not? You know, like sometimes that could be a little sneaky, you know, like little number change here, little number change there. Maybe another judge who was not corrupt put down a number and then this judge who is corrupt put down the same number. Um, It's wild, man. I, I just... I feel bad for the fighters who got screwed over is what I really feel bad for because that like I I'm almost positive Angie Hill got screwed over by that deal. And that that lady is awesome. She doesn't deserve some shit like that. It's a hardworking lady, you know? Yeah. Um, now the investigation that you say that's gonna be uh that's that's gonna be conducted. I mean, I hear that even this is just I guess speculation, but I've heard that um, some people have said that the FBI have been involved in this. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely. That's I mean, it. Yeah, like uh, the, you know the, the amount of money and the the type of scam that it could potentially be. Absolutely, the FBI would be involved in something like that. Mm. Um, it's a it's a major crime if this is what it's turning out to look like. It is, which is not maybe not just that judge either, but judges being bribed in order to change fight records. Or uh, uh, not fight records, but in order to change the who won rounds, in order to dictate who would overall win a fight, is major. We're talking millions and millions, if not billions of dollars, most likely billions of dollars, not just because of the fighters themselves and the organizations that are affected by that, but people bet on this. That's the whole point. So how many millions and billions of dollars of gambling money got sent to the wrong people because this person wind up doing something illegal. You know, it's a big deal. It's a major deal. And um, man, it's, it's wild, man. It's, 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 it's going to get worse. Absolutely. I have, it's even, get worse. I've even heard that Krauss has had all of his devices taken seized by the, um by the FBI. That doesn't surprise me. Um, That doesn't surprise me at all. Like, that's something that they would do for sure. I mean, they would try to find any evidence whatsoever leading him back to whatever's going on. I hope it's not true. I hope he's not involved. Um, I really don't want that. But if he is, you know, he's going to have to pay the piper, you know? Do you think he made a big mistake? But I mean, because I, I watched the interview that he did with Errol Hawan, he just casually said it he didn't feel uncomfortable saying just casually carefully said it. yeah oh, i i bear my own fights and everything for fights i'm involved in and he said that well the coaching and the other stuff that he does with the um with the athletes he just he said he doesn't make shit on, on that but he i was kind of taken aback how freely and casually open he answered that question i think i was thinking well not to sound offensive but Common sense would suggest when you ask certain questions, you're very, very careful how you give the answer. I mean, don't lie, but be you can be economical with the truth. I like that phrase, by the way. <laughs> I'm gonna use that economical with the truth. Um, I I think that 
if you're going to say something like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, again, Floyd Mayweather himself has talked about betting on himself. I think that the problem would be if you're betting on the other guy. Um, you know, like, but who knows? I mean, it sounds like the UFC right now has has put a put it in place that you're no fighter is allowed to bet at all. Um, from my understanding, that seems to be what the UFC sent in their letter. They made um, an announcement earlier this year. I, I, I remember that they made an announcement earlier this year about that they would, would actually be stopping that. They would be banning that. And then later on, I think after this interview with Aaron Hawane, after James Krause said what he said, they made another announcement. Anyone involved with this guy, you're not going to be allowed to compete in the UFC unless we change your gyms and change your coaches' corners and whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. wild, man. I mean, I assume that they have something if they would make a letter like that, um, because that's, that would be a bold statement to say something without having any proof first, because that puts them liable, because at that point, that could be construed as probably defamation of character if that's not true. You could really ruin this man's entire life if that's not true. So they must have something. And I just I don't know what it is, man. I just think it's sad. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, what what happens. I mean, I have heard some. I don't know the guy. You know him, so um, and you seem like a very, very um, no bullshit sort of person. I mean, you'll call somebody out if they're doing something that's genuinely wrong. Uh, so if someone like yourself is saying that he's a good person, you've met him, you're acquainted with him, then I suppose he can't be as bad as what certain sources are saying. I, mean, I think there was something about him having an affair with uh, another as uh, a news anchor lady or someone like that, an ESPN or something, something like that. If, if, if what I'll say the same thing I say to pretty much everybody, right? So I'm one of those people when it comes to this job, I'm not perfect human being. I make mistakes. I make errors, all kinds of things. I smoke weed. I drink way more than I should. I don't train as much as I should, right? I have flaws just like anybody else has flaws. But when it comes down to this job, if I knew one of my sponsors had done something wrong, I would call them out. If I knew one of my friends in the industry had done something wrong, I'd call them out. And if even if it would wind up hurting me, I would still call them out. Because a phrase that I use quite often is, I'll burn the house down with me in it. So with any of these people who do any of these things that are egregious, we might be best of buddies, but the moment you fuck up, I am going to call it out. I don't really have much of a choice in this job if I want to make sure that this is doing what it should be doing, which is keeping martial arts as legitimate as possible. I am not saying that I am like the best person on the planet. I'm not saying I don't make mistakes, but I am saying that when it comes to this job, the reason I'm good at this job is because I am willing to burn the house down with me in it. And if that means that, like, let's say I had a sponsor. Now, by the way, my sponsors are awesome. None of them so far have done anything bad, right? <laughs> but if they did, they are well aware that I would go after them, which is why I like my sponsors so much is because they know they have nothing to hide. Um, and so I know that because that would be really dumb <laughs> because they know me. And they know how passionate I am about this. So, And I like James, don't get me wrong. But if he did wrong, he's going to have to pay the piper for that. That's all there is to it. You believe that no matter what it is, you always get found out in the end. And you never get away with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that's true. 
Um, I don't think that they're that, you know, that the whole like, you know, what's done in the dark will always be brought to the light quote is not always true. There are plenty of people who do evil shit, who get away with it all the time. And sometimes it's even in the public eye, you yes, know, yeah. so. I mean, to say that, you know, you're always going to have to get caught and you're no, that's not always true. I mean, that's a nice thing to say because we don't want kids growing up thinking that they could be evil pieces of garbage and get away with it. But when you get older, you start to realize there are plenty of evil people who continue to do evil things and get away with it for a very long time, if not for their entire life. Um, but when you're caught, <laughs> you're going to have to pay the price. Yes. Yeah. No, no definitely. I, uh, I agree with that completely. Absolutely. Listen, uh, before we wrap up, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? You have to, I'll be much, normally I'll be much more lively when I say that, but you're giving me a lot to think about. Uh, um, I don't know, man. I mean, there's so many people to shout out. Like if you, if you really think about it and like the way that the martial arts industry is going, there's just so many great people. And I, I've really been taking a note of how many like awesome YouTubers have been out there. It's not normally like my forte to like, you know, to, to do like a shout out and stuff like that. But man, like there's so many great YouTubers. I see Mike from Hard to Hurt. Sensei Seth is doing an incredible job with his channel. Ramsey Dewey's doing an amazing job while he's in Shanghai, China, in the middle of some like ridiculous political garbage that's going on over there. Not only that, but he also just got COVID, um, you know, so like uh, Rokas from, you know, Martial Arts Journey. Uh, there who else out there I know I'm going to forget some people and it, it's always sucks when you do but all those people are amazing and I've been thinking about doing like a martial arts convention I've been thinking about it hard about having like a convention where you can go and interact with these martial artists that you like sit in on watch and listen to a panel um, learn about how to get into martial arts stunt work learn about how you know to become a referee learn about all those things it's been something I've been thinking about for a while and I found out that one of the biggest influences in the martial arts industry right now is uh, Century Martial Arts. Almost everybody's heard of Century Martial Arts. They run, you know, the, the trifecta, which is Century Martial Arts, Maya, which is a business consulting industry, martial arts industry, uh, martial. Sorry, so Maya is one of them. I just can't remember the name of the acronym. And then the other one is Black Belt Magazine. So that trifecta has been doing something called the martial arts super show forever since I was a kid. Um, and I finally got to speak at it last year. I was one of their speakers and that was like a bucket list item for my career. I wanted to speak there. Um, so I finally did. And then this year coming up in 2023, they canceled the event. So our biggest like convention is just gone. And it's like really sad to me because I remember as a kid, my goal was like, you know, the people I respected and the people I looked up to were people who spoke at this event and, you know, martial arts celebrities would be there and it was like a big deal. And now a piece of my childhood is gone and it sucks. It like when I heard them announce that half of me was like, I fucking told you so, because <laughs> I talked to all the figureheads and I was like, look, why don't you open this up to the public? And make it so that way it's not just for people in the martial arts industry as business owners. But what about casuals? What about people who just like it? People who yeah, enjoy yeah. it? People who, you know, why wouldn't you open it up? Like that alone should bring in more income. So I've been thinking about like hard, especially today, about maybe doing something with that. Maybe maybe start 
something that I can plant a seed and make that grow over a long period of time. Maybe we can have a Comic-Con style convention just for martial arts. I think you could do. I mean, you, a lot of people in mixed martial arts, I think not just in the US, but around the world, know who you are. I mean, you've got a big YouTube channel, a big following on Instagram. So I think for yourself, at least for what you've achieved now, that shouldn't be too hard to do. At least the branding plan, the recognition is there for you. So you should be able to pull that off. Well, I'm hoping. I, I have like a, a little bit of a game plan. It's very loose, but... I think that if I started off with the YouTubers, that that would take care of marketing in itself because they themselves are always marketing themselves. It's what you do on YouTube. Yeah. So that would take care of at least bringing in an audience. But then I think the opportunity of all the people that I've been able to make relationships with over the years, you know, I, I networking has been the, my favorite part of doing this is just getting to know people and always being available for anybody who needs anything all the time. It doesn't matter. Anybody who knows me knows that they hit me up and they need something. I will be there. You want me to be on the podcast? Set, tell me when you want me to go do something for you. Tell me when you need help with this event. Tell me what I need to do. Um, and so over the, the years of doing that, it's just created a lot of really good relationships. And so I think if I can pull some of those people together to be willing to do it, I think there could be something there. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And, you know, I, 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 that should be a success. I've got a feeling it should take off really well. And maybe, maybe the next one could be here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Well, yeah. I appreciate you uh, having faith in me there. <laughs> maybe I can get London. No, I love London, by the way. Thank you. I love yeah. London. Yeah. I had such a good time in London when I went. I want to go back so bad. Like, I, uh, I got to see London Bridge for the first time coming out of a pub. I was just drunk as shit. I was out there all night. I, I like stumbled out of the pub and I looked over and it was like maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away from me. Oh. And there was a dude peeing on a sign. <laughs> and I looked and I'm like, what is this dude doing? And then I was like, and then I thought, well, maybe I have to pee too. But then I looked and then the sign like beside it was, uh, it was the placard or whatever. And it said it was London Bridge. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, it's not kind of like a bridge that I would imagine because obviously I'm from the U.S. So I imagine that big bridge is being London Bridge, but that's not the real London Bridge. That's uh, something different. Um, that's the one that makes all the postcards. <laughs> Um, but London Bridge isn't like that big of a bridge. It's actually not all that impressive at all. But no, it's no. like I think the one you're talking about is Tower Bridge. Yes, Tower yeah. Bridge is the one that makes all the postcards. Oh uh, yeah, that's the one it, yeah. I saw the guy peeing on was actual London Bridge. <laughs> it was just it just it just wasn't uh, like I, I imagine like London Bridge was this big thing. It's like no, not, it's not no, even it's... just walk over it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's one of those normalish you know not 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 but much of a big deal bridge now the one you're yeah. talking about the big one is tower bridge at the uh on the edge of central london yeah um but look um uh rob please you know i enjoy this conversation like i said to you before i make a list of questions but then i start talking with you and then for i now got another list of questions in my mind that i want to ask you instead <laughs> well we can always do yeah. it again man no definitely please and send me a link of those um sponsors and affiliates I'll include them in the description below and on Instagram and on Spotify as well. I appreciate that. Definitely. They are they are awesome. Kill Cliff, RDX Sports, um, 
Killcliff RDX Sports help me out for a moment. Immortal Coffee and Monkey Tape. Those are my sponsors right now, and they're all awesome. Love them all. Guys, um, thank you for listening and watching another episode of the Ike MMA Show. If you enjoyed this, please don't forget to leave a like. Don't forget to, to subscribe. It really helps my channel when you do that. And yes, also don't forget to um, check out Mr. Jojo's content. I mean, those who follow my content more than likely will know who he is. He needs no introduction at all. And um, yeah, um, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me.